uh, almost overwhelming, actually, to be here. Pray about things, and I don't know if you're like me, but when I pray about things, I, I try to see them in my mind. You know? and, uh, and we we prayed for a long time uh, about Stonebridge, and uh, being able to see it is pretty uh, amazing. Uh, it's nothing short of what we dreamed. In fact, it's uh, even more, as God always does. You know, you know you need a bigger place, <laughs> just in case you didn't know. Um, let me get, if I could, the dads to stand. Oh, this is Father's Day. Fathers could stand for a moment. Now, let me say a couple of things to you. Um, <clears throat> as fathers, uh, we're good. You want me to change? You want me to back up? Okay. You want me to shut up? Um, <clears throat> all dads have issues. My daughter's here. She, I thought she said amen. Um, we have, you know, little things that we do. My, my dad had things that he did. Uh, my dad was sarcastic. Um, he, he liked to point out the obvious. Um, but when my father passed away, uh, an entire city, in, in fact, an entire community wept over the loss of, of that man. And they knew him better than I did. Uh, I went to a coffee shop the day of his funeral, and a, a girl looked across the counter at me and said, uh, your dad was, was an icon for this city. He was just my dad to me. Uh, I want to say to those of you, both those of you who are seated and the ones who are standing, if you know your fathers, uh, get to know them better while you have them. I have discovered things about my dad um, after he passed away that have caused me, actually in the last week, to look at my wife and say, He's, he was so much better than I thought. So take time. Get to know your fathers no matter what their quirks are. They have some things for you. And when, when they pass, there will be an inheritance for you to take spiritually. But you need to know. You need to spend time with them and, and really look at their lives so that you know what you want from them. Because I promise you, no, no matter who they are, no matter what they do wrong, uh, there will be something that you can take from their lives. So look for it. Uh, it's important. All right, let's, let me pray for the dads. Uh, Lord, I, I pray uh, today for a revelation of your heart. You're, you're the only perfect father. 
so we pray that you would impart your heart to these dads. Teach us to love the way you love. To give the way you give. I pray you would transform the lives of these men. That we could represent you on earth, in our homes, in our offices, and in our communities. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. One of my things, one of my dad's things was time. <laughs> my dad was, he could not come to Riverstone. I don't know about Stonebridge, but he would not make it at Riverstone uh, when, you know, when the clock strikes, it's time to start. You should have been in your seat, you know, 10 minutes early waiting uh, for things to get going. My, my dad was a stickler. He, he just, he couldn't stand waiting for things. And, and any, you know, he just didn't, late was not in his vocabulary. His job at, at the church we grew up in was to ring the bell. Remember when we had a bell? Anybody, any of y'all grew up in churches that had a bell? <laughs> and, and, you know, not, I'm not talking about the bell, the rope that you pull, but, you know, the bell that sounds nice. I'm talking about that obnoxious, shrill bell that, you know, you, it's a button, and you reach up and you push the button, and it, and it makes just this awful sound that makes everybody want to go home. My dad was the bell ringer in our church, and when it was time for Sunday school to start, he rang the bell. And uh, he, I think he loved that job. <laughs> You know, because it was his way of saying, you know, you better get there. You better be in your seat. And uh, it was just kind of the way he was. My, when I was 10 years old, we got a new preacher. And uh, one of the first things he did was take the clock off the wall. It made my dad so nervous. You know, I, how will he know? <laughs> and, uh, and then the next thing he did was he moved the service time from 11 o'clock back to 10.50. Which my dad thought, you know, that is going to confuse so many people. <laughs> and don't, doesn't he know that, you know, since Jesus' day, church started at 11. <laughs> but then, then he really got frustrated when he realized that the reason he moved the time from t 11 o'clock back to 10.50 was, was not so we could get out at 11.50 and beat the Baptist to lunch. It was so he could preach ten minutes longer. My dad really, did, he didn't have a place to put that. So I, he was really frustrated. I, my uh, older brother, Mike, when I was 13 years old, he came to me. And he said, I'm going off to college, and I'm leaving you here with Dad. <laughs> and there's some things you need to know. He's, one thing he said is, when dad starts his thing, uh, you don't have to listen. I didn't really understand at first. He said, you, you know, you think about other things. You, you look like you're listening. You act like you're listening, but you don't listen. You just drift away. It seemed like a good idea. It really did, because my dad could, could kind of get on a thing. And so I started to do that at 13. 
And by 16, I, I didn't feel anything from anybody. By 17, it was totally ugly. Uh, by 18, I was so isolated that um, I couldn't even be in the same room with my dad. Uh, my mom came into my room on my, the day of my high school graduation, and she said, you're 18 years old, you're about to graduate from high school, and we feel like we don't know you. Because I had shut myself off. It seemed like a good idea. And it almost ruined me. When I came to the Lord, my freshman year in college, things began to open up again. But, but there were still issues with my dad. Almost until he died. And it was my mom who helped me to see who he was. We have to engage in this life. Your culture, the culture that we live in, will, will tell you uh, to isolate, to focus, you know, to go after the American dream, to do the thing that's in your heart to do. But I'm, I'm telling you guys, you have to engage the people around you. You know, Jesus had the most important assignment that's ever been made. And he only had three and a half years to do it. And he never got in a hurry. And he never dismissed people. In fact, his whole way of doing what he did was to call together 12 men and give them everything he had to invest engage. We have to. There's a verse in uh, Psalm 14. If you want to turn there, you can. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Psalm 14.2. It goes like this. The Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there are any who understand. Any who seek God. The Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there are any who understand who seek God. Understanding is an important thing. If you don't understand, if there are things you know that you're involved in, you don't understand the purpose, you don't understand the point, you don't understand the instructions, you can really get messed up. I remember uh, back in high school, uh, I was playing in a football game, and we had a... Uh, a guy on our team named Emmanuel Young, who was the greatest high school athlete I've ever been around. Uh, he was a running back, but he was also our punter. He was an average punter, great running back. And we were in a game. It was first possession of the game. We'd driven down the field. We were inside the other team's territory, about the 40, 45, and stalled out. The coach decided, you know, it's early in the game. Let's kick the ball out of bounds. Down, you know, try to pin the other team down near their goal line. So the instruction goes in to the game, to Emmanuel, coach says, kick it out of bounds. Emmanuel drops back, takes a snap, turns, and kicks the ball almost into the press box <laughs> at the 50-yard line because he didn't understand. 
You know, he, he kind of understood, but he didn't really understand. He understood kick it out of bounds, but he didn't understand where to kick it out of bounds. Had a guy in, in also in high school in a baseball game who was playing center field, ball was hit over his head. He turned and was running full tilt towards center field, ran into the fence, ball went over the fence, he fell to the ground. We thought he was dead. <laughs> He's laying there. Uh, the right fielder was his cousin, Goose was his name because he had a long neck. And his actual name is Kevin. His mother called him Kevin. Everybody else called him Goose. So we come over, we run out to the field, and, and Timmy, his cousin, is laying in center field, apparently dead. And umpires are there, coaches are there, and everybody, and the umpire turns to Goose and says, Son, why didn't you tell him something? Because, you know, outfielders are supposed to communicate, especially when there's a fence involved. And uh, Goose said, I told him he had plenty of room. Didn't understand. Goose didn't understand. And so if you don't understand, you can get in trouble, right? If you don't understand what's going on, you can get in trouble. If you think that life is just about you know, accomplishing things and, and accumulating things, you, you can get in trouble quickly. If you miss the whole point of engaging, of having relationships, of investing in people, you, you get in trouble. You might have a lot of stuff. Uh, you might even seem to be going somewhere, but uh, you'll wake up one day and you'll look around and you'll realize that you've gone really far in the wrong direction. So the Lord says, I'm looking for people who understand. But what is it that he wants us to understand? He says, in fact, in this passage, that if you understand, you will seek him. It says, the Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men, on the human race, for people who understand, for any who seek him. So if we understand then we'll seek Him. And there's a couple of things that I think we need to understand. I'm just going to run through those uh, this morning because there's no clock on the wall back there, so hopefully you won't be in too big a trouble. Uh, number one thing that we need to know, that we need to understand is uh, we need Him. We need God. Uh, we need Him. It's not, it's not just that He's one of many options. We need Him. The world is filled with people who are looking. They're looking for stuff. They're looking for things. They're really looking for meaning and purpose and fulfillment. Looking for something that will just you know, make things click. Uh, the bottom line is that every one of us needs God. Uh, we need Him. We need Him desperately. And, and a lot of people don't get this. Peter is one who got it. Now, whatever you want to say about Peter, he got that. He understood that. Uh, one time when Jesus' teachings kind of got difficult, uh, you can find it in John chapter 6, 7, 8, right in there. Uh, his teachings got difficult and people started to leave. Uh, it just wasn't as much fun as it had been. And so people were drifting away and, and leaving. And, and Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, where would we go? You have it all. Where would we go? You have the words of life. That's what Peter said. Because Peter got it. He understood. 
He had been with Jesus. He had engaged relationship with Christ. Peter still had issues. He still made some mistakes. He did some things. You know, later on, he denies Jesus right in a crucial point. Uh, right before that, in a time where Jesus calls him to pray, he sleeps. He, Peter didn't do everything right. But he got that. He understood. When Jesus said, you know, who do people say that I am? The disciples threw some different theories around, and then Jesus said, well, who do, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He got it. He understood that he needed Jesus. We need Him. I need Christ in my life. I, I need Him when things are going well. I need Him when things are not going well. I need Him when there's life all around. I need Him when it seems like there's death all around. There is no time in my life when I don't need Him. You know, the most dangerous place for me is when things are going really well. I don't know if you're like I am, but sometimes when things are going really well, I can kind of shift into that, hey, I'm doing all right here. You know, I'm doing okay. I, I'm, I'm taking care of things. I'm not desperate for His presence. You know, when things go wrong, when there's crisis and, and I have to have Him, that's probably a better place for me. And so what I'm trying to learn in my life is that I need Him just as desperately when things are going well as I do when things are going poorly. There is no time in your life, and there's no time in my life when we don't need Him. Where else will we go? He has the words of life. Purpose is found in Him. Meaning is found in Him. True joy and contentment is found in Him. The second thing He wants us to know is that He wants us. I need Him, you need Him, and He wants us. This is an amazing thing, and this is the thing that if a lot of us could get over this and really grasp it and believe it and understand it and live in it, it would revolutionize your life. It would radically change the way you do everything that you do, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you believe. If we could get it in our heads that He wants us. If we could grasp the concept that the Christian life is not our attempt to overcome His reluctance by proving how good we can be. If we could realize that that's not it. That instead of that, it is just embracing His willingness. It's not overcoming His reluctance. It's embracing His willingness. He wants you. He wants you desperately. He is pursuing you. He has been pursuing you your entire life. I was in college. I told you, you know, late high school for me was, was a, a train wreck. I went off to college. and I'm a freshman in college. I'm in an honors English class, which in and of itself was a miracle. I, I don't know. Have you ever had the event where you walk into a room and you know you're the dumbest person there? Nancy, you, you taught English, right? You see, you... No! No! Nancy was an English teacher at McEachern, and, and so I know, I was, Nancy, I... He thought that. I didn't think that. I'm in this honors English class. I still don't know how I got in there. 
They said, just the Lord put me in there. Uh, people started talking about their test scores the first day. You know, that's the last thing I wanted to talk about was my test score. And, uh, but I'm in this class, and the uh, professor assigns us a paper. She says, bring three topics to class. I'll pick one of the three. And so we did, or actually they did. I came to class, and they're passing stuff to the front, and I turned to this girl sitting next to me. I said, what, what are you all doing? She said, we're turning in our paper topics. Don't you have your paper topics? I said, I don't have my paper topics. Uh, I don't have paper. <laughs> she hands me a piece of paper. Uh, I ask her for a pen. She gives me a pen. My daughter's heading off to college in a month or so, and my wife's scared to death right now that she's hearing this. But I, I write the three topics down on a piece of paper. You know where I got them? <laughs> Copied the girls. So I didn't have paper, I didn't have pen, I didn't have topics. I got all three of those things from her, turned them in. Had no clue who the girl was. She just sat next to me. Didn't know she was a Christian. She just sat next to me. Turned the paper in. The next time we had class, the paper came back to me and circled in red ink my term paper topic. Biblical prophecy. State University. I wanted to stand up and say, this is illegal. <laughs> you can't make me do this. I went to my fraternity and I said, you know, you guys told me you had a filing cabinet. You have all the term papers. <laughs> they really did have a filing cabinet. And they had term papers on every topic except biblical prophecy. <laughs> they, they, there had not been a, a run on biblical prophecy. And so I was on my own. And I was lost. I was lost spiritually, and I was lost in this class, and I was lost on that paper. And I, nothing was, was clicking. And, and so I went to the university library, and I went in the card catalog. Y'all don't even know what that is, do you? <laughs> Mallory's like, huh? This was not on computer. This is an actual drawer with cards in it. You had to know the alphabet. And uh, so I, I, I'm thumbing through looking for something on the Bible. You know, something on prophecy. In this university library, I found one book. King James Bible. I checked it out. I would sit in a little cubby, cubicle, whatever you call it, little place in the library and read the King James Bible. That's how I was preparing for this paper. I had not written the first word down. I didn't have note cards. I'm just reading. One night I'm sitting in the library and I'm reading in Daniel. I'm half scared to death, stuff in Daniel. And, and I'm, I'm reading there, hoping that this is not true. And, <laughs> and so, this thought occurred to me. You know, go to the church where your parents go, where you, the church you went to growing up. They've got a library. They've got books on biblical prophecy. Write your paper. I get in my car. I start driving towards uh, my hometown where the church is. And as I'm about halfway there, a second thought came to me, which was when you get to the church, don't go to the library. Go to the pastor's office and tell him everything you've ever done. Well, that first idea sounded great. 
The second idea I was questioning, because my grandmother went to that church, and she knew that pastor, and she, didn't not, she did not need to know the things that I had done. And so by the time I got to the church, I had decided that I would do exactly that. I went to the pastor's office, found the pastor, sat down with him, and told him everything I had ever done. And the long story short is that night, my life turned 180 degrees. Uh, he led me to the Lord. He prayed with me. And for the first time since my brother talked to me when I was 13, I felt something. And what I felt was this dam burst in me. And, and all of the things that I had pushed down and all of the things that I had held back just came out, just this flood. And, and the love of God filled the void. And my life has never been the same. I wasn't looking for Him. He was looking for me. I was just minding my own business in English. A class I wasn't even supposed to be in. He put me in it. He put a believer next to me. He gave me a, a believing professor who assigned me the paper. He wanted me so badly that he arranged the circumstances. He removes obstacles. He will go through anything to get to you. He will even allow His most precious, prized possession to suffer and die to have you. There is nothing, nothing that He will allow to stop Him from you except you. Except you. I need Him. He wants me. And the last thing I'll say is that if I will seek Him, I can know Him. If I will seek Him, I can know Him. The Bible's full of, of promises that if you seek the Lord with all of your heart, you'll find Him. He's not going to hide from you. He wants you to know Him. He wants to reveal to you the deepest parts of who He is. He wants you to know Him fully and completely. And, and one thing that I, I will tell you, assuredly, if you will tell Him your secrets, He'll tell you His. And they will change your life. And, and one of His secrets is this. You have ravished His heart. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that, you know, that, that's His place. He ravishes my heart, but no, He says, no, you. You have ravished my heart. When you even look, if you even glance in my direction, my heart races. Because I want you. If we will put ourselves in the path of His pursuit, He will ruin our lives for good. If you will do some things that will actually put you in His path, the path of His pursuit, He will absolutely revolutionize your life in a good way. You know, when I was in second grade, Went out to recess, and uh, the girls chased the boys. 
and we wouldn't let them catch us. We ran from them. And if, you know, if they ever got a hand on us, we did everything we could to get away. I'm not sure how long we did that, Brandon. We, you know, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And then we figured it out. And we started chasing them, and, and suddenly they turned and ran. And we've been chasing them ever since. Been married to my wife for 29 years, still chasing. <laughs> God, the pursuer, will never run away. If you will turn and go towards Him, He will continue. He loves to be caught. He loves to be caught. And He will go toward you. I, maybe the most beautiful picture that Jesus painted in all of Scripture is the, the story of the prodigal son. The guy goes off, takes his inheritance early, goes off to a distant land, wastes it on crazy living, comes to his senses, realizes he had it better off before and that even his father's servants have it better off than he does. And he says, I'll go home. And I'll repent before my father and I'll ask him to take me back as a slave. And so he heads for home and the father sees him. And the scripture says, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and ran to him. Now here, here's what I want you to, to grasp in this. A lot of you have come to your senses. You have. You probably wouldn't be here this morning if you hadn't at least to some degree come to your senses. But, but many of you, even though you've turned and you've started towards home, you still have it in your mind that when you get there, you'll be a slave. That when you get there, it'll all depend on what you can do for Him to earn your place. Guys, He's not standing on the porch patting His foot, pointing His finger, nodding His head and saying, yeah, I knew you'd come crawling back as soon as everything went wrong. That is not the picture that Jesus painted. He's running. He is running towards you. Because He wants you. Desperately. Let me just mention a couple of things that we can do to kind of put ourselves in His path. One, one is just read the Bible. Just read, read the book. It's all in there. Everything you need, He tells you. He will tell you who He is in that book. And He'll tell you how to get in His path. Pray. Ask Him. Lord, I want to get in Your path. I want to be run over by You. Would You just please tell me where to stand? He'll tell you. Just ask Him. I would say uh, get prayed for. When you have chances, you have opportunities uh, to be prayed for, be prayed for. Uh, I try to never miss an opportunity to be prayed for. 
allow people to lay hands on you and pray for you. I, for some reason, it's all through Scripture, especially in, in the New Testament where people lay hands on people and they pray and stuff happens. So it's important. Uh, worship. Engage God's presence. Don't miss uh, the incredible mystery of corporate worship when we come together and we engage God's presence together, something happens. Something big and wonderful happens. Don't miss that. And maybe step into a place a little out of your comfort zone from time to time. And then last thing, love people who need to be loved. Just love some people who need to be loved. Look for opportunities. I have a niece in Birmingham who uh, I talked to this weekend. And, uh, she's working as a youth minister at a church in inner city Birmingham. And she was telling me that they can't really do youth activities because they live in this high crime district. There are a lot of drive-by shootings and, and a lot of drug sales and stuff like this. And it's just not safe. And so she had this idea and she went to the uh, police department, talked to them about it, and they hooked her up with... Uh, some of the policemen there on, on the force, and she's able to now hire off-duty policemen uh, to, to work in this park that's right across the street from the church so they can hold youth events and give the students a safe place to be together, uh, to hang out or, or have you know, some kind of structured activity. She said they have 35 or 40 kids in their youth group at the church, and the first time they hired the policeman and had the in the park event she says they call it yo youth outreach so anyway the first time they did it 200 high school students showed up they just wanted a place where they could be safe and she gave it to them and then she finds out that there's an organization that will ensure Minors who, who have no insurance for $25 for a whole year. If, if you can get their parents to come to a meeting where uh, they commit to working towards being insured during the course of that year, uh, then this, this company will insure, you, insure the, your minors, your uninsured children for $25 for a whole year. So she went to her church and she asked the people of her church to finance it, and they did. And she was able to get insurance for 150 minors right there in her community whose parents, in her words, are crackheads. But now, at least for a year, their children will have health care, dental care, immunizations, all, all these things that, that they've been without. Why? Because one person loved some people who needed to be loved. If you want to put yourself firmly in the path of God, if you want to be run over by God, then intentionally step into the lives of, of the lost, the lonely, and the left out. Because that's where he is. That's where he spends the majority of his time. 
He's after you. He wants you. Get in his path and let him have you. Now let's pray. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the chance just to be here today. And, and uh, I just pray blessing on this church. I pray that you will continue to multiply the influence as well as the participation here. Uh, I pray that you would allow uh, the city of Marietta to see the heart of these people. Let them see their heart, Lord. Lord, I pray uh, for those here today, that for any who in a place of struggle, that they would simply say yes to you and allow you to do what you want to do. Lord, I know you want to free us. You want to impart life. You want to give of yourself to us today. And so I pray that no one here today would resist what you want to do. That we would not hinder your work in any way. Lord, we would simply say, I I need you in my life. Do whatever you want to do. You have free reign in me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Invite. I think we have some prayer teams. Maybe they're going to come, and uh, you know who you are. Just get in place quickly, and uh, we'll have a little bit of ministry time. If you need prayer today, um, the truth is we all need prayer all the time. But if you want prayer today, then I encourage you to come and uh, take advantage of this time. Let these wonderful people pray for you. All right. Do y'all stand or sit or wait? You can stand. Okay. Perfect.